goes back into the past, um, and, and I, I stole a few pages out of my own family's history and set the book in my hometown of National City. So um, <clears throat> for the first time when my family reads this book, they're going to know who I was, um, who, whose lives I was stealing from. So um, now I can't hide behind the, oh, no, it's just fiction. Um, they're going to catch me out this time. Well, I'd love to hear you read just a couple paragraphs from your book. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> uh, and of course, my screen just went blank where I had myself all queued up. So here we go. This is from the second chapter of Lost in the Light, and I'll quickly preface with um, this is a story about a detective who has been in an officer-involved shooting, and <clears throat> she was uh, wounded, and she's now on leave pending investigation, and she has moved into this old Edwardian mansion <clears throat> that she's going to restore. And uh, she's, at the moment, she's very much a lost soul. Okay. Idly wondering what to pick from the meals Grammy had prepared for her, Dory plugged her key into the lock. Her heart gave a painful jolt when she looked up into the face of a man. He stared at her from the other side of the wavy glass window of the Dutch door. His dark eyes narrowed. In one motion, Dory dropped her bag, stepped back, and reached for her weapon. But she only felt the bandage under her shirt where her Smith & Wesson should have been. She swayed in momentary confusion and then remembered she'd locked it away. When she looked back up into the window, he was gone. Dory stood there with her pulse kicking against her neck. He couldn't duck faster than the blink of an eye, nor was the window shade moving in the wake of a sudden movement. It hadn't been that long since she'd been with a man that she'd start making one up, as Grammy had repeatedly warned. Warning pricked at her nerves. She pulled up alongside the edge of the door and peeked into her dark kitchen. She strained her ears, listening for movement in the house. Against her better judgment, she reached over and turned the key. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. That was Mary Castillo reading from Lost in the Light, and you're listening to Writers on Writing on 88.9 KUCI-FM in Irvine. We're doing a show today on self-publishing. And I'm going to introduce our next alphabetical guest, which is <laughs> Nancy Clan. While traveling extensively for her career in advertising and marketing, Nancy Clan Marin began writing short fiction. Soon this leisure pursuit became much more than that, and now an artist and freelance writer, she's published an eclectic collection of short stories titled Like the Flies on the Patio and her debut novel, The Clock of Life, which took the prize for the best unpublished novel at the 2010 San Diego Book Awards. Um, so Nancy, tell us about The Clock of Life. <clears throat> well, The Clock of Life started out as one of my short stories. And um, one year I was at a writer's conference in a workshop and I, was, I stood up and read excerpt from the, um, the short story. And the workshop leader said, what are you doing for the next couple of years? This is not a short story, it's a novel. Mm. And of course I ran away from that whole idea and after it kept, you know, his words kept... Um, you know, engulfing me, so I decided to um, give it a shot, and oh boy, did it spread wings! That it's amazing <laughs> what a seed, sure. what a seed can grow into. Well, let's hear a couple grass. Um, the protagonist is a 15-year-old boy, and his best friend has been um, killed. 
Uh, his best, he's a white boy, his best friend is a, is a black boy. Right then, oh, and he, I, I'm sorry, he's, he's at the wake at the uh, home. Right then, the kitchen filled with people pushing their way toward the food, anxious to load their plates. My head was spinning, and, and instead of working my way out past the two ladies, I got down on my knees like a five-year-old idiot child and crawled under the table. I sat there Indian-style, hunched over because my head kept hitting the underside of the table. You see that? Someone said, that white boy? Flushed in humiliation, I watched the lady's skirt sway back and forth with each hallelujah, and the other folk's shoes march across the floor. One lady's ankles were swollen, and her thick feet oozed out, <clears throat> oozed out of a pair of shoes that must have been borrowed from someone whose feet, half, from someone whose feet half her size. Before long, a pair of boots I recognized came towards the table. They were, no, they were Noah's brown shoes with paint splatters. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Charlie Leister is our next next one on. Um, is, and you're all seated like in an alphabetical order, too, which is really cool. Um, he's a native Californian and graduate of the School of Criminology, University of California, Berkeley. For 34 years, he worked in Asia, the Middle East, Africa, the Caribbean, and Central America in government service and as a private consultant. He retired from the state of Arizona's Department of Environmental Quality in 2008, and his novel is Zaire's Golden Babies. So, Charlie, tell me about the book. How did this book come about? It all started maybe 40 years ago when uh, I was invited to Vietnam by the United States government. And uh, there I became part of the Foreign Service and moved to those countries that uh, you mentioned. The uh, duties brought me to the old Belgian Congo, and I was lucky to be there for 16 years. The uh, Congo became Zaire uh, while I was there, after a revolution. And the story is based on all of the wonderful setting, getting to know the terrific people of Central West Africa, particularly Zaire, particularly those outside of the main cities. The setting for Zaire's Golden Babies is in Kinshasa, but also to a great extent on the eastern frontier, uh, where there were lots of troubles, atrocities, problems, and where those same things, exactly the same things are going on today. Hmm. So it's, uh, in a way, it's a very current story. The, um, the, the story is essentially of um, infants being abducted from public hospitals and trafficked out of Africa into Europe and the United States where they're sold. And the scheme was is detected by a team of three bank fraud investigators. And the interaction between the three, hmm. an American banker, a Mauritian, a lovely Mauritian fraud investigator, and a very interesting black African lawyer, uh, is, is what I think really makes the story. Let's hear some of it. This is Chapter 4. We are in downtown Kinshasa, Zaire, at that time. And the lawyer, 
uh, is has just waked up on a Saturday morning. Justin liked the early hours of Saturday mornings when he made his escape from the eternal flow of legal problems, parenthood, and the burden of feeding a dozen relatives. He eased his one pair of Levi's out of the old metal footlocker, dragged the cowbearer's sweatshirt over his head, checked to be sure his six-month-old baby was doing all right, and closed the door quietly. He was anticipating the seven-kilometer drive with all of the VW's windows cranked down. Most of the stalls in the open-air market were already set up and selling by 6.30 a.m., but parking was never a problem at that hour. Smiling with expectation, the little kid raised his hand and was ready to guard the car again. Justin nodded his acceptance and joined a stream of women walking between neat stacks of mangoes, papayas, and frequently ripe pineapples. His own little boy would come along with him on Saturdays, when he was older, of course, and might ask why the other child, taking care of parked cars, had to sleep in cardboard box on the street. He might not pay much attention to his father's reply, distracted, as a kid certainly would be, by the sight of vendors carrying freshly picked manioc leaves in wash tubs balanced on their heads. His son would want to go see the squirming caterpillars live being picked over by frugal housewives and the brass button cooks. Thank you so much, Charlie. You're listening to Writers on Writing on 88.9 KUCI-FM in Irvine. And my next guest here in the studio is Sonia Marsh. Sonia is a motivational speaker who inspires her audiences to get out, get out of their comfort zone and take a risk. Three Ways to Flip-Flops, a family's year of gutsy living on a tropical island, is about chucking it all and uprooting her family to reconnect on an island in Belize. Her memoir received an honorary mention in the biography autobiography category at the upcoming 2013 London Book Festival. Sonia has lived in Denmark, Nigeria, France, England, the U.S., and Belize, and considers herself a citizen of the world. She holds a degree in environmental science from the University of East Anglia, U.K., and she's going to read a little bit, talk about free ways to flip-flops, and then read a little bit. Yes, good morning, everyone, and thank you so much, Barbara, for inviting us indie authors. We are here to promote ourselves. So, um, and Happy New Year to all of you. Um, I am a firm believer that most of us in life reach a point where we want to take a risk. We are fed up with our problems at home. Perhaps we have teenagers. We want to get... Uh, them out of the entitlement attitude that they are surrounded by and the peer pressures, especially living here in the U.S. and in the developed world. And uh, sometimes you want some adventure in your life. You are stressed out with your work. Uh, You're tired of gridlocked freeways and you just want to escape and find your paradise. And so this is what happened to my family. Uh, We have three sons And at the ages of 16, 13, and 10, the 16-year-old was getting in trouble, and it was affecting the entire family. So what we decided to do was to uproot and just sell everything we had here in Orange County and move to uh, Belize. And the thing that I wanted to mention is that people would often say to me, wow, that's such a gutsy move. So what I decided to do was to brand the gutsy theme, and I've been doing this for the last four years through blogging and everything, 
And it, uh, that's why I like to be a motivational speaker to inspire people to take risks. So the way the book came about was I kept a journal and I started the journal about six months before we left. And my friends were telling me, you know, Sonia, this is pretty unique, uh, taking teenagers to live on an island away and to see how everyone in the family changes. So you better write a book about it. <laughs> and uh, I'd never written a book in my life. This was the first time. So I kept this journal. And in Belize, you have a ton of time on your hands. I mean, everything is slow over there compared to here. So I had my laptop and I would write every day. What I th encourage people to do who are writing memoirs is to keep track of the emotional feelings that, that are happening at the time. I mean, even here, wherever you live, if a situation happens with your children, your spouse, go and write it down right away because then you have those, those real, the real dialogue, everything that happened at the time. So that's what I did. And I would email friends back in Orange County and they would say, Sonia, keep going. Um, you have so many adventures. So I did that and then it turned into a book. Let's hear some. Okay, so this is chapter one, and uh, it's called The Storm. Duke, we can't take the boat out. It's too dangerous, I said, my entire body quivering with fear. I tugged on the lines, squatting and leaning back, fighting the undertow so intent on snatching our boat from the dock. My wrists throbbed, and the skin on my palms felt raw. The lines slipped from my clenched fists, and sensing my loosening grip, Duke shouted, Hang on, Sonia, just two more lines to go. This was torture, and in case I hadn't suffered enough, a massive black cloud smeared the entire sky and catapulted bullet-sized rain pellets onto my bare back. This was the first storm since we'd uprooted our family to live on an island in Belize, Central America. I punched my way through the wind, skidded along the slippery planks of our wooden pier, and made it back to our house. Although only mid-afternoon, it felt dark and eerie, and I couldn't stop thinking about the safety of my three boys. Why the hell did we leave Orange County, California, and move to this godforsaken island where our lives were now at risk? Did I really think this was going to save my family? Thank you very much. Thank you, all of you. Um, it's so interesting. You know, self-publishing has, <clears throat> excuse me, really come a long way in the last couple of years, really. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have never done a show on self-publishing. It just, it wouldn't happen. And, um, and now it's become so mainstream. And, and, you know, authors who have published with traditional publishers even are self-publishing because it's quicker, because... There's probably more money in it and if you're willing to promote and, and for all sorts of reasons. But there's still stumbling blocks and quirks in self-publishing. So, you know, if we could maybe talk a little bit about that and sort of how you decided to self-publish and, um, you know, really what brought you to that point. Because I think all of you either were in contact with agents. I know Mary had an agent at, at one point, and, um, and you all decided to do this. And so I would love to hear kind of a snapshot or see a snapshot of how you all did that. And Mary, are you still there? I'm here. Yeah, tell us, you know, because you have a few, um, a few novels published uh, with, with traditional publishers, and what, what happened to make you um, decide to self-publish? 
Well, I um, I did a lot of research, and it, it really got into my mind when, um, and it, by chance, really, there, there was a, I was on Twitter when I was supposed to be working, and um, there was an <laughs> Like all of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was about to give a webinar, a live webinar on self-publishing, and... And I had been hearing inklings of this. I was so buried into writing in my book that I had really deliberately pulled myself away from a lot of the um, industry groups and publications that I had been following. And so I was, um, so I tuned in, and it, you know, it, it was like the clouds parted. So um, I, you know, read some of these books, and um, and some were some some were great, and some, you know, were were all were what you might say, well, if they had a, a better editor, that might have been a really good book. But um, I, I, I had access to a, a good editor. Um, I highly recommend one um, if, if an author is, is going to decide to, do, to go into the self-publishing route. Um, but it took about a year and a half because I, um, I, 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 I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I, had, I, I did a business plan, and, and I really wanted to do it right because... Um, I felt that my that, that that all the work I had put into my books deserved that kind of, of, of attention and, and to and, and to make sure I knew what I was doing and I even that, that I really was sure that I wanted to and, and the more research I did and the further along um, I was going in the revisions of Lost in the Light, um, it, it was just it was exciting. It's like producing an independent film and um, and I uh, and, and many of the the writers um, whom I've befriended on this journey, they, they some have um, they they are they're real entrepreneurs. I mean, they they kind of put me to shame, but they have agreements with traditional publishers. They're doing their own thing. They're also with small presses, and they're just like little industries under themselves. Um, but for for the time, but, you know, I, I'm open to anything. But I'm I'm really invested in um, publishing my own work, and I even opened, you know, began my own little imprint, and um, I, I had to dust off my HTML programming skills because I produced the ebook version of the book, and um, and 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 I even designed my own cover. So it's called upon all the skills I've accumulated in all the different jobs that I've had over the past 20 years. Mm, interesting. You are listening to Writers on Writing on 88.9 KUCI-FM in Irvine, and I'm Barbara DeMarco Barrett, and I think instead of taking a musical break at this point, um, we're going to keep going because we have um, four fascinating authors with us and lots of info to, to squeeze into this last half hour. So um, we're going to probably have to do another show at some point with all of you, but um, <laughs> let's keep going because as she was talking, Nancy, you right at the beginning, I think when she was talking about when she started listening to this webinar on self-publishing, it was as if the clouds parted or the river parted <laughs> or something parted and you were nodding your head. So what happened for you? Well, similar to Mary's, um, well, first of all, I had completed my book, and I was I was on the quest of uh, sending it out to agents, and I found that um, with the uh, email queries qu queries that uh, that are required now, I would send um, prepare everything exactly the way that they they asked for it. I would send it out, and within 30 seconds, I would have a rejection notice back in my inbox. 
and um, I, you know, so I'm, they give it gave it a close read. Yes, and then they said <laughs> <nothing>. <laughs> scanning the ten pages, etc. Um, so I felt that the, if if nobody was even going to read it, how could, how did I ever mm-hmm. have a chance? And uh, one day I read an article from um, an author named uh, Jessica Park, and it was How Amazon Saved My Life was the title of, of her. And like Jessica, I had always felt that the only way to be validated for my writing was if one of these big publishers would accept me. Otherwise, it meant my writing I had won uh, several awards. My book had won, you know, Best Unpublished. I knew my writing was good. So anyway, after I read Jessica's article, it was just exactly what happened Mm -hmm. to Mary. Mm -hmm. Something parted. Something parted. (laughs) (laughs) And I, um, I, it was just, it made so much sense. And I, like Mary, I designed the cover... I formatted, found out how to... I had, I, I had mm-hmm. to find out just about everything. And most things had to be done more than once because I was a novice at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the satisfaction of having it just the way you want it, uh, nobody telling you, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, a different cover would be better, etc., was really liberating. And... Uh, so I have done both books, mm. the, the collection of short stories as well as the novel, The Clock of Life. Great. Charlie, what about you, Zaire's Golden Babies? How did that come about in terms of the, the idea of um, self-publishing and, and bringing it to the market that way? Unlike uh, Mary and Nancy, I was starting out absolutely from scratch when I began writing. And I needed to know whether... I could write. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I had, was just in the process of retiring from the state of Arizona and was looking around for a good portable uh, third career. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you decide to go into dentistry, you have to mm-hmm. take the dental chair. With you. <laughs> um, but this game is pretty simple because you just need a laptop computer and some adapters and you can set off for Singapore. Uh, and I do want to live overseas. Uh, in fact, the next target is Ecuador, mm-hmm. and uh, the next book will be written there. But to get back to the point, it seemed um, too early to try to shoot for uh, confronting the agents, uh, knocking on doors, writing a thousand query letters, uh, and not really studying what they need before going to them. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the time for that. So, number one, test. Can we write? Well, 425 pages later, I thought perhaps I could do this. And then the next uh, step was, let's see what it looks like. What are all the steps between a manuscript in, uh, in Word mm-hmm. and a published book? And the easiest way to do that was self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Sonia? Um, talk about um, freeways to flip-flops and how sort of your process in, to self-publishing. Well, I have to say that I got the best present in my life a year ago when I was rejected. 
Um, and the reason is that I realized today that I love networking, I love marketing, and I love being in control, but the difference is that I set up my own publishing business. So um, I wanted to do it like a real publisher, and I learned uh, how they do it. I'm not saying I'm an expert like they are, but what I did do is I outsourced a lot of the stuff. Um, I know that I'm not good at design. I'm not good at formatting. Uh, I don't want to spend hours learning it. So what do I do? I research who is an expert at doing book covers, and I found a company. Uh, in fact, I, I interviewed several companies, and I went with one that I really, really uh, truly believe in. And I also started on Facebook a gutsy indie publishers group where all people who want to publish their books themselves get together and we connect online and ask each other questions like who did you use as an editor what would you recommend should I go with create space should I go with lightning source um, should I get my own ISBNs uh, uh, you know all these questions that we all have we connect online and we can uh, help one another so um, I'm I think that's a, a wonderful thing uh, as well and since I want to be a motivational speaker and my goal is to be nationwide and in Europe and in Australia and in New Zealand, I wanted to do it professionally. So um, if I, uh, the next book, I would love to do Peace Corps work and go like uh, Charlie, go to another country and write another book. But I certainly won't try to design my own cover or do any of that because I can't design covers. So um, I did it that way. Interesting. You're listening to the self-publishing show on Writers on Writing, and uh, this is interesting. So, uh, when you when you all decided to self-publish, um, because it seems that the one thing that traditional publishers do for authors is the marketing aspect. I mean, they get the books in the stores, they get them where they're going to be to be sold. So, to me, that would be probably the most daunting task of... Um, self-publishing and yet I mean I know quite a few authors who've self-published and then have had traditional publishers pick them up because they've sold so many books so uh, not that that would be a motivation but just to get books in the hands of readers how do you do that um, let's start with Sonia and, and go back the other <coughs> way um, since I like um, you know meeting people I've been planting seeds for the last four years uh, waiting for them to sprout with contacts and um, I started doing events in like every weekend I have events um, I go to indie bookstores I go to Pete's coffee shops um, I did an event in Paris uh, two weeks ago at the English bookstore I just call up I call them up I don't tell them I'm self-published and frankly nobody's asked me so I mean I'm I'm in shock I even I even I even got a um, a New York Times bestseller to endorse my book not once did he say oh it's self-published or you started your own company I don't want to endorse that not one person has said it now the difference is that I did start my own publishing company so I have gutsy publications on my uh, cover and um, Barnes and Noble for example I went with lightning source 
And bonds, the reason, uh, just briefly, is that when you go with Lightning Source as a publisher, you can set the discount rate yourself, which is 55%, which is what the bookstores want. If you go with CreateSpace, you don't have that flexibility. And so, therefore, I encourage you to start your own publishing company. That way, you are given more credibility. Um, and you can get into the bookstores and Barnes and Noble. I'm negotiating right now with a couple of Barnes and Nobles, so so it helps to be extroverted <laughs> <laughs> because most writers are not. Most of us are. You know, we don't want to call people up. We don't want to call bookstores up. But if you are extroverted, and you know what, or I, you could pretend you are. I, that's exactly it. I was always known as being very shy. Hmm. So um, and, and I want to overcome my fear of public speaking, mm-hmm. which was uh, something that was made fun of when I was 13 years old. So that gutsy side of me is mm-hmm. taking over now that I'm older. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay, Charlie, um, what about you? What, you know, how do you get the books out there? Because I think you have yours placed in Laguna Beach Books and Laguna Beach. Right, exactly. Uh, and that was just because I had never done it before, and I had heard you, Barbara, mention her. Um, it's um, is that Jane at Laguna Beach Books? Oh, it doesn't uh, matter. Sorry, I can't remember. But um, they uh, they were very nice about it, uh, and then at that point, I realized it was not going to be a difficult job so that's definitely on the horizon but i actually used uh, lulu mm-hmm. uh, for the publishing mm-hmm. and part of that package is and i think it's an extra 75 bucks they list you with um amazon ingram mm-hmm. and barnes and noble mm-hmm. and that gives you a leg up anyway um not, not to say that that guarantees any marketing at right. all but right. at least there there's a a canal that's been opened right excellent nancy what about you well my uh my journey is fairly new um i went with baby book baby for all the <clears throat> all the e-readers uh zook and ipad etc i went with lightning source for the distribution and they have a they are a division of ingram and i went with create space to get on amazon I have, I, I think one of the biggest um, benefits is to get reviews. So I'm on a quest to get mm-hmm, reviews. Mm-hmm. I'm sending books out to uh, anybody who will review self or indie published books. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, my uh, protagonist, I wrote this as literary fiction. My protagonist in most of the book is a 15-year-old boy, and two school librarians have read it, and they feel that this is a great crossover to the YA. Excellent. And uh, so, like I say, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm probably within my first month of figuring out the best way, and I mm-hmm. think, uh, I, act, I have a gut feeling that book clubs... Mm-hmm. are going to um, be real important mm-hmm. also. Excellent. What about you, Mary? My, my, my what, what I have learned are, um, are book, uh, I did a book blog tour when Lost in the Light came out in October, and I've been 
full for the, it's been out for about three months. So every month I've been on about, you know, one or two blogs. I'm, you know, always pitching the book <clears throat> to be reviewed or to be featured. And um, I found that creating a book trailer, like, like mm. they have for movies, mm-hmm. that I saw had a huge uh, impact. I mean, suddenly it was like the numbers just went ticking up. Um, and and um, I had to make a deal with myself that I only check my numbers on Fridays. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be obsessively hitting re- you know <laughs> re- reset on 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 you know Kindle or or Pubit on Barnes and Noble. So um, th- th- those two uh, pieces have been re- really instrumental in getting that word of mouth. Um, I've had mixed um, success on Goodreads. Um, I've done a couple of giveaways and. Of uh, and uh, and and but what is what's been really great is that the book has this of all my books has gotten the most positive reviews and um, mm. I actually got my first one star review the other day and um and 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 I just I I, I was it didn't even put a dent in my uh, in my enthusiasm because I just you know what can what can you say when you're getting four and five star reviews mm-hmm. and you get the one one star it's like well oh well but um. So, and the book trailer is on Amazon with your book, on your book page? It's everywhere. It's mm-hmm. on YouTube. I put it everywhere. I went crazy. And it's, it's on, uh, on YouTube. I have it on my Facebook page. I have it on my Amazon Author Central page. And, um, and, and it, it's just, uh, I, I think it's one of those, um, those things. It's, it, it just kind of pushes mm-hmm. someone to think, if they're on the fence about buying a, a $5 book, they're probably going to try it or they're at least going to download the excerpt and then with the excerpt it's living on their their reader you know that's true i um a few months back i i heard some statistic about book sales on amazon and elsewhere that if there's book trailers sales go up by i don't know 30 percent 40 i mean which is when i had my book trailer done for pit on fire many years later and Mm -hmm. um i haven't checked my numbers i need to check but um, there, it's a there's this thing to do. Well, there's a saying. <laughs> I had a bookseller on a few years ago, Robert Gray, who used to be a book buyer at um, Manchester Bookstore in Vermont, and he is now a book consultant, a book doctor. And he said, because you know, books come out, and then we assume that if a book isn't brand new, that it's old. And he mm-hmm. said. A book is new as as long as a reader hasn't heard of it. And there's always readers who haven't heard of your book. So as long as your book's in print, you should be doing things. And if it's out of print, self-publish or, you know, reissue it or do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Um, I want to repeat the names and books um, here of our guests. Um, Mary Castillo's novel is Lost in the Light. Nancy Clan is author of the novel The Clock of Life. Charles Leister is author of Zaire's Golden Babies, and Sonia Marsh is author of the memoir Freeways to Flip Flops. Um, what, what's all of your relationships with um, social media like? Do you do Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest? Do you do blog tours? Are you hoping to do blog tours? And if you've done them, how has that worked? Because I hear, you know, I mean, it's all like a part of the mix. It seems like everything we do is a part of what goes into the mix to um, get your book going. So let's reverse again and with Mary. So I know you said that um, your book trailer is, you know, all over the place. And what about other things on social media? Are you pretty active in, in that way or, or on one more than another? 
Yes, I, uh, I, I'm on Facebook. Um, I try to do at least one or two updates a day, not necessarily related to the book, mm-hmm. um, because that can get obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But, um, but um, I, so, so I, you know, I, for example, right now we're up here in Carmel, and, and um, this is a research trip for my next series, so I'll be posting photos of um, places and, and impressions and, I mean, it's a wealth of, of that sort of thing up here in Carmel. And um, I'm also, I have a blog. I, um, I like to share the wealth. So when friends of mine have their book on sale, I, I have a little weekly column that I'm trying to keep up where I share deals on e-books or, you know, or, or new releases. And, um, and then my WordPress blog is linked to my Facebook author page. It's linked to Twitter. Um, I'm on Pinterest. I actually have a Pinterest page for Lost in the Light where I share a lot of my research materials. And the house, um, the haunted house, um, it is a real house in my hometown. And um, so I have a few snapshots of, of that house that I've put in onto Pinterest. And, um, and for me, social networking is more of creating a community, not necessarily driving sales. Mm-hmm. I found a... Uh, an online service. It's called Gangsy. It's G-A-N-X-Y dot com. And you can use them to create a showcase. You can sell your book um, through them. But what's great is that you can create a page on Facebook. So if you have, um, I have an author page on Facebook and I can, whenever I, if I do want to promote the book with an update, I, I, I don't, people don't have to leave Facebook. But Gangsy gives you the flexibility where people can either, oh, I, I only order from my Nook, so I'll go to Barnes & Noble, or I only order from my Kindle, I'll go to Ken, uh, Amazon. Um, it's a great uh, little, little little tool that I've found, and, and, if, um, and people actually do respond to it. So um, that would be my tip to share mm-hmm. with everybody. Mm-hmm. Nancy, what about you? How active and how much do you use social networking? Well, I have uh, I've inquired... A couple places about blog tours. I haven't uh, started it yet, mm-hmm. and I'm on Facebook, and I post hopefully every day. <laughs> and um, I'm exploring all of these other, you know, w- mm-hmm. websites. Mm-hmm. There's an awesome gang, and there's a literary cafe. And um, since I'm so new to it, I just spend my days mm-hmm. getting lost, you know, going from one site to another, sure. trying to figure out what might work for me and not. So I'm, uh, I don't really have any solid advice for anybody yet. And give your website. My website is nancyclan-morin.com. And Mary? It is marycastillo.com. Okay. Charlie, what about you? How, how are you with social networking? <clears throat> Shall we say, uh, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I, I really have not started that. I have okay. a friend in Phoenix who has been saying, you got to get that mm-hmm. going right Got to get it going. Got to get the platform, but uh, mm-hmm. haven't started yet. And um, uh, just as an aside, after we finish talking about this, could we talk a little bit about reviews and particularly the purchased reviews? Yeah, we can try. We have seven <laughs> minutes left. We might have to bring that back next time, but definitely. Sonia. Okay. So um, I started blogging four years ago, and I make speeches to 
um, authors on how important it is to start a blog about three years before <laughs> your mm-hmm. book is published because I heard Seth Godin, the marketing guru who recommended that and Writer's Digest and all the different places. And um, the, the good part about starting early is that then you have your connections ready so that when you want to do your virtual blog tour, which is what I did, you can set up like a whole month with different people around the world who you've connected with. Mm -hmm. And I did that, but I also gave away 100 copies of my book for free. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're not going to get reviews if you expect people to pay for it. So I did my advanced reader copies prior to publication, had them printed locally and sent them out to all my blogger friends and all the people around uh, who would review it. Um, on Amazon. So I ended up with 40 reviews in the first month on Amazon, which I recommend people should start doing, thinking ahead. Um, Twitter, so the reviewers on Amazon, you got it to them, the uh, people that are the top reviewers? No, I did not get it to the Vine reviewers, which are the top ones, but I got them uh, reviewed by all my memoir writer mm-hmm. friends from the National Association of Memoir Writers. Um, and it also enables... Uh, I. You know, once you start blogging and you're on social media, people find you. So, uh, you know, they because I've branded Gutsy Living, people start uh, contacting me now, which is wonderful, to speak. Or to, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, uh, or let's back up. Mm-hmm. I promote other authors on my blog because every week I have a My Gutsy Story that people submit to me, other authors, and then I link back to them, and usually they have a book they want to promote. So they have their, mm-hmm. you know, their mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. on my website. And I've, I've trademarked it, and as of yesterday, My Gutsy Story is now my trademark. Excellent. So um, that's another thing that you uh, can do is try to promote other people and work together as a team. Well, reciprocity really is the thing. I think if you're you know, uh, wanting things to happen, it's good to make things happen for others. Right. I mean, it's like otherwise it just, the, you know, a dead end kind of appears where nobody's really helping you and you're not, you know, anyway. Yeah, and what's strange is that now memoir writer workshop uh, specialists who I consider way above me mm-hmm. are submitting stories to me. Yeah, and I'm great. like, Wow. You submitted to me? I didn't Mm -hmm. even think I would ever speak to you. Yeah, that's great. Um, So, yeah, reviews. I mean, Charlie, you brought up a good point because reviews matter, but, you know, where do they matter from? Because it's hard to get, I think, printed reviews in newspapers if you don't have um, a traditionally published book. I think it's becoming more and more possible, and it's happening. But um, so what about reviews? What about, you know... What about you, Mary? I mean, are you, how does that affect your, well, you, you only look at your, your numbers once a week, <laughs> but uh, how, how do you find that affects your numbers when your book is reviewed or someone, you know, on a blog maybe does something with you, reviews well, the book? yeah, with my blog tour, and what I paid for on the blog tour was someone to coordinate it. Uh, the reviewers themselves were not paid, um, and uh, uh and, and I like that because, um, I, you know, it, I, I, I was a reporter for the uh, L.A. Times Community News, and, you know, and I don't like to, um, I still have my journalistic integrity. Mm-hmm. It's still intact. And so um, 
so those even the negative or, or the, the the lukewarm reviews um and there were only a, a couple so far thank goodness <laughs> um those at least drove curiosity but you know like i said i don't i don't uh obsess over my numbers in mm-hmm. terms of um i just recently finally after years uh, i'm using google analytics on my website and um, and I just know from experience that that sort of thing can can be very dangerous and damaging to one's creativity mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and to one's productivity because I also do PR. My, my day job is doing public relations and marketing. So uh, uh, I, um, but I, I think, it, yeah, it, it drives curiosity, introduces you to people who may have never heard of you. And um, it, for my book, Lost in the Light, because it is not, it doesn't have a, a girl in pink on the cover, mm-hmm. it's a totally new market for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding some crossover. People who liked my books in the past are, are really enjoying this book, and maybe some aren't. I don't know. But um, I, I I don't think I would ever pay for a review. I know Kirkus and um, I believe Library Journal charge a, a pretty hefty fee for your book to be reviewed. Um and and I'm kind of iffy on that. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm I'm ever going to do that with a future book. Are all of their reviews paid reviews? No, Kirkus. No. So so they have a certain place on their website where they feature paid reviews. Yeah, for self-published authors. What's that trying? Uh, through Lulu, uh, a, a substantial discount is offered for both Clarion Forward reviews and Kirkus. And I tried the Clarion. Mm-hmm. Because it was it was a lot of money, but I thought this would be positive feedback. Wondering though, are mm-hmm. they going to give me an honest review, right. or is it going to be a nice one because mm-hmm. they got the money? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was I thought very good. Part of it was positive. The second half was, but mm-hmm. this person needs to work on mm-hmm. uh, telling um, instead of mm-hmm. or showing instead of telling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so forth. So I seemed to come out good. Well, we are at the end of our time, and I wonder if we could just go around very quickly, and if you can think of one tip that you haven't already mentioned, or maybe you have mentioned, and it's just so important we have to be left with that thought if we're going to self-publish, what would that be? Um, Sonia, let's start with you and go the reverse. Um, I think you need to think of your self-publishing or indie publishing, as I prefer to call it, as a business. Um, You are in business for yourself. If you want to be successful, um, treat it as as a business, just like a publisher would treat their publishing as a business. And do social media. Nobody is going to find you unless you are online. Unfortunately, times have changed. But it does give you the opportunity of uh, of exposing your work to so many people. And uh, quite uh, quickly, let me just say, a friend of mine uh, just got published by Penguin. She had one uh, book uh, signing at Barnes & Noble, and now nothing. She comes to me and says, what am I supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. published with Penguin. So I just want to encourage you all. Yeah. Good luck to you. Thank you, Sonia. One tip. Rewriting is essential because you don't have an agent Mm -hmm. and you probably don't have an editor. So it's all up to you. And the only way of hammering out, getting rid of the problems is by months and years of rewriting. Excellent. Nancy? 
Yes, and um, once the writing is done, the work starts. Mm-hmm. That you have to spend as much time getting the word out as you did writing the book. Okay, Mary, last word. Get to work on the next book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow finding that balance where you can promote the current one and you can work on the next one. Mm-hmm. Keep it keep it going. Thank you all so much for being here. This hour flew by. We're going to have to do it again. I think we're we'll down the road a little bit. Thank, thank you. you, Barbara. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Um, this show will be podcast in a, I don't know, a few days to a week. So all of you out there, if you want to hear it one more time um, or more, you want to send people to it, just uh, go to my website, penonfire.com. I'm, I'm trying to get all the podcasts on there now. And uh, we're at the end of our time. You've been listening to Writers on Writing on 88.9 KUCI FM in Irvine. Thank you for listening, and uh, keep the pen moving. <laughs>